0: A one, a two, a one, two, three,
2: four!
1: <laughs> Another beautiful day on the Victor Bravo Golf Course. The sun is shining, and the birds are about, and there's a sudden buzz in the crowd. Michael Michelson steps up to the tee box. Fifteenth hole here, is recommended. <laughs>
0: Is he a caveman? Because it suddenly clumped that one. What do you reckon, George? <laughs> I mean, did he hit that with the dictionary? Because that was a terrible read. <laughs> oh, my. G'day and welcome. This is Golf. Andrew Datto is my name. Uh, it's great to have you here because uh, you're probably a golfing fan, possibly a golfing tragic. If that's the case, do you have an enabler? everybody needs one. You've got one. It's probably a golf professional. Maybe it's the guy at the golf shop, or maybe, um, there's an element of shame that you carry about your golfing purchases. Uh, you're embarrassed about your dopey buys. You go to the shop and you know, yeah, yeah. And then get whatever you want and go up to the thing and rack off as fast as you can. Well, if that's you, and that certainly used to be me, then you're missing out. You need an enabler. Someone like Rob Richards, he is the longtime golf pro at Warringah Golf Club, which has historically been the busiest golf club in the Southern Hemisphere, and there's a good reason for that. Uh, Rob is most certainly my enabler. He does not look at me like a goose when I walk in with my game-changing ideas. In fact, he helps me make them a reality. We covered uh, a lot of ground from the um, the possible and potential shrinking of his golf course to the answer to golf. Um, there's more than a bit of yoda about Rob. We began talking about his father Bob and his advertising genius. It's a lovely chat. He's a lovely bloke. I think you'll really enjoy Mr. Rob Richards.
2: Uh, yeah, the old man thought that it was a good idea to advertise. Uh, so he bought a little escort van and got That's a right. golf ball a- from the Australian Open. Right. And it wasn't that big. But when it was stuck on an escort, uh, it looked massive. It was probably, you know, four feet in diameter. And he screwed it on, or one of his mates uh, did the repair and put it on, painted the van. And drove that round for a long time. It probably lasted twenty years. That vehicle, and funnily enough, uh, we had to put that to bed. But uh, I bought another golf ball, a little <laughs> bit bigger, and stuck it outside the pro shop on the main road, and it's yeah. been there for the last twenty.
0: Right. So because I, I said I told someone that I was talking to you, and they said ask me about. It. So it's the, it's an escort. Sorry, I got the car wrong. Ask me about the escort because then you used to you and your mates would drive around in it, and your brother Greg in it as yes. a hoon mobile. Yes. So you so so you. So my understanding, <laughs> my understanding is you guys would go and cause mischief in this car like idiots with was it what's your dad's name Bob with Bob Richards golf, and a
2: golf yeah. ball on the roof. Yeah. Mm. And we go to uh, you know obviously golfers at that time we go to each golf course and roll up at the at the club and and the, the pro at Long Reef or Manavale or Palm Beach or something really didn't like the van going there. Right. But we would like to go and play. And we had, look, in the end, we had a good relationship with everyone. Um, and in those days, you could stack the kids in the back. So, you know, we had the clubs and probably six of us, you know, two in, two in the front and uh, four in the back rolling around mm. and often picked up by the police with the, the often rattle or going over the speed limit. Uh, that was good advertising. Yeah. Um,
0: so, you, look, you love the game. Warringa is a special place in in Australian in Australian golfing history, as, as I understand it. It's the most amount of rounds in the Southern Hemisphere consistently for a very long time.
2: Yes, um, so it's one of those populated areas, obviously, and it's become more popular uh, in recent times. and And a lot of people play nine hole games, so therefore we get. More players through the door for an eighteen-hole venue, and it has honestly been that way as far back as I can remember.
0: Right. What What is the attraction, do you think, of a, of a Warringah? Because it's like it's 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 up and down. It it from the from the 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 road. It doesn't look special. It just looks like a parkland. So what what do you, what do you think the attraction is?
2: Look from a purist perspective, uh, you might go to you know Barn Burgle or Barwin Heads or somewhere like that. But uh, Warringah's nice and simple. Uh, tree line's kept in pretty good order all year round. The greens are good. Greens are pretty quick. Mm. He does a good job. Um, and, you know, if you're a superstar, maybe you don't want to play here all the time, but if there's an average handicap of, say, 22 or something for boys and 28 or something for girls, they really enjoy Warringah. It's a decent test and it's a bit of fun and they can whip round. In a reasonable time. Mm.
0: So Ring would be would be one of the courses like Moor Park that's been singled out as a possible nine-hole venue. So community's gone, hang on a second, this is ridiculous. You've got too much space for the use that you get. We want half of it. How how difficult has that been to deal with?
2: Quite right. We went we went through that um, some time ago and the the council or the CEO at that time, uh, before the recent fella uh, decided that maybe we can chop it in half put sporting fields there maybe soccer fields or something and uh, we'll reduce the golf because golf on the northern beaches uh you know there's 13 venues and uh, he automatically looked at it and said hang on that's too many Um, we're a little bit short of sporting fields in certain areas Um, so he thought it was probably a good idea to chop it in half give it back to soccer or something um, until we proved that, uh, you know, golf was extremely popular and, you know, Warringah was full from six till six. And exactly like Marrickville went through the process and Moore Park is sort of in the throes at the moment, um, they're all popular venues and I think they'll stay.
0: Yeah. So just talk me through the the rationale from the golfing perspective i understand the council perspective and the sports perspective but what's the what's the golfing perspective of, of why the 18 holes is necessary and this is not a test by the way
2: yeah 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 um no i, I think <laughs> come in, in councillor come I, in <laughs> i think that uh, uh look, look even if it was two nine holes or three nines or four nines we would fill it up mm. we're actually looking for more space as a counter uh, you could put two warringas on and satisfy the market. Uh, 18 holes is necessary for half-hour golfers, and nine holes, it's nice and simple, both sides of the road. Um, it services the other vast majority. Right.
0: So theres it's just as long as there's people to play, that's a, enough of a reason.
2: Quite right. I mean, if there's a downturn in golf uh, in years to come, maybe they could look at things and, uh, you know, reduce certain courses, but I think you'll find, obviously COVID's made a difference, but um, even prior to that, uh, the upswing of play uh, for younger girls and boys, you know, 20 to 30 has increased fourfold. Right. Um, it's a popular sport.
0: And so this is pre- – so Co- it was interesting, so two years before COVID, Covid, golf was on its well. Apparently, golf was on its knees, and in enormous trouble in Australia. And everyone's wondering how we're we going to get people through the door. Was Covid the answer, or did something happen before Covid, and everyone just thinks it's a Covid? Yeah,
2: I think there was a, a real upswing. You know, we've got all those statistics from from here and Moore Park, and maybe Terry Hills Path Three and driving ranges. So. Golf was on the improve for sure. We weren't affected, and places like Long Reef or Montevale or Wakehurst nearby weren't affected. Palm Beach and Balgala, for instance, they probably were. People weren't wanting to pick up average venues, if I can term it that. Mm. Um, So, and their cost rose. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) The average venues, yeah. Yeah, the average venues. Um, And... The cost rose a little bit to conduct their, you know, running of the golf course and the administration, so that they were probably at break even. Right. Uh, but obviously, now, COVID has boosted it. But prior to that, it was going well. Okay. Like, what do you love about it?
0: It's thirty-five years for you personally. You know. I think
2: that. You know, you've we've probably heard all those those stories, adages on that you can play till you're in the mid-90s. You can join up with three others from all different walks of life and all different abilities and have a game. You know, one guy can be on two and the other guy can be on 32 and you can have a bit of fun and you can all be competitive. Mm. So it's got some really good social aspects. It's obviously got a great a feel of competition and, you know, running the handicap and and running their scores and, you know, offering prizes and trophies. And it's a nice competitive feel in a relaxed environment under some reasonable rules that keeps everyone fairly honest. Okay. So what's the secret to the game? So let me put that in perspective.
0: You run a lot of beginner programs here. You have people come in for the very start of their golfing lives. And which must be well well must be an opportun- a world of opportunity, but it must be possibly frustrating as well. So how do you get them going?
2: Yeah. I think that um, if you wound the clock back thirty or forty years, I think we had certain teaching skills and certain equipment that made it a little bit more difficult to play. I think nowadays um, with the advent of video, and all the technical stuff that goes with it and the equipment changes, I think that anyone can play. Um, if you're four years of age or 94, I think the, the clubs are light and versatile and they do what they're supposed to do. And then I think the teaching aspects are nice and simple and anyone can play. You know, obviously I, I run hang on, through- can,
0: really, like, really can anyone play?
2: look yeah there's not too many not too many times right. yeah I've, I had a uh, I've, over all my time I've had uh, a rowing team uh, came to me and all big guys and uh, they wanted to do a, a bit of a workshop for about six weeks and get into golf and they were expert rowers you know almost Olympic uh, type um, and they really couldn't play because of the action that they had. Right. Uh, and then it was more that it was just converting their thinking process into playing golf. So everyone can play. I remember playing golf with Ricky Ponting, who is you know, well known that he's a very good golfer, and he would just switch from cricket to golf, and he probably was a good tennis player as well. Mm. So he took the methods necessary to play the game um, and you can pick them up from your local PGA coach or you can pick up a lot from the internet as well. Mm. Um, and people can really get around the golf course and do it pretty easy now. So
0: with Ponting, for instance, then does he – so you you could see him actively switch to just being – I mean, obviously, he's an incredible hand-eye coordination.
2: Yes, yeah. He, he obviously some exception to the rule – uh, like a lot of those high-profile sporting people. Um, but he had a real golfing technique. So uh, I did say to him, uh, who taught you, and and he did get some, some tips from uh, many PGA guys, uh, and he taught himself as well. And he just switched over, and he was, um, and still is, obviously, um, very sound with his motion. Mm. And look, there's some players like, you know, if I I call on cricketers, um, you know, Gilchrist or uh, Shane Warne, who don't nearly play as well as Ponting, but uh, they've still got a skill set as well, and if they dedicate themselves, they'll be good players regardless.
0: Okay, so let's go back to what the secret for someone starting. Where do they start?
2: Yes, so... So Um, is it the
0: grip, is it
2: the putting,
0: is it the... What
2: happens is that I I, I sort of liken it to more difficult sports like surfing, skiing or playing the guitar if you like. If you you take those three hobbies and sports, then if you just start doing it, it's quite difficult. You know, I took up a surfboard and fell over the first 40,000 times. And then someone said, why don't you do it this way? Mm. And then, oh, okay, it became a little bit easier and I could see the technique. So technique driven, when once you get a platform, you get over those first or second hurdles and then you're right to kick on. As you know, with tinkering with wedges and clubs and putters, um, there's certain regulations you can't go beyond. So they're trying to put a ceiling <laughs> on what they the, do. I don't know what the, I
0: get to the regulations... So let me... I'll put Robin's perspective. I came here and was had ground, ground my own wedges from raw Japanese wedge heads. And Rob and I did the... Well, actually, you just let me on the Lion Loft machine because, you know, he's an enabler. And sitting in the corner was a bloke and then who just didn't say, he didn't say anything, did he? he? Just sat there and watched and you guys went about your business and I went about my business and then and then you introduced me and it was the rep from the Kushnet, otherwise known as Vokey Wedges. And he went, what are you doing? <laughs> I showed him and he's like, you're a dickhead. But you never said a word. Now, so do you think I'm a dickhead
2: like Look, I, for, for pursuing that? I think that's a great thing about golf. There's a... A lot of science and a little bit of madness mm. and you've got a bit of both mm. and there's not just one of you there's thousands of you out there and i think that's your pursuing uh, the secret to the game um and if you can tinker and feel and and muck around with certain things and look at technology um that's probably how we went from you know, old timber, timber clubs to where we are today. Mm. That's a great thing.
0: So when you say there's thousands of me, how, how often are you dealing with the likes of me? The
2: Andrew mm. Well, what they've done now obviously with launch monitors, they've bought those out <laughs> and there's a really – they were expensive, as you see on the PGA Tour. There's Trackman uh, Behind Every Tee. Anyway, they've bought out. Garmin has bought out an R10, which is going to release in the middle of August, and it's the best of its type, um, and it gives you seventeen different measurements and so forth. But it's portable, mm. so the and what at what price point? Yes, so uh, I I can I can safely say that the internet sells it for eight sixty, and I'll sell it out at about seven ninety. Mm. So. It's it can go into everyone's hands, and I've ordered thirty already, and I've sold twenty two of them. Mm. Now, so that, where are they using? Where they 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 go into the range with them? They go to the range. They they're taking on their course, and they're putting it uh, in front of the each player. They're, you can't do that on a course, can you? You can't in competition. Oh, okay, right. But but socially, they can do that. Mm. And I guess if you're having a disastrous score and you don't care about being disqualified, bring it out. And you can pick up your club head speed and your ball speed and and, uh, pathway and club face angle and angle of attack, all those great things that can satisfy the answers that we couldn't deliver 20 years ago. And nowadays uh, that's what people want, particularly the really good players.
0: But is there too much information in the wrong – I mean, too much information in the wrong hands –
2: Like, like, can we... (laughs) Quite rightly, you you can. It's a little bit... I I tell everyone they they come in with their new theory and I say, look, I don't know anything about cars and the car doesn't go and I lift the, the bonnet and I'm looking at it and there's 50 different things that could go wrong with this particular car. And here I am, the novice mechanic, looking at it and saying, well, I've actually got no clue. Sometimes that the golfer might hear something or see something or read something. um, And then they go, that's it. It's the takeaway. (laughs) Yes. Jason Day said it's in the takeaway. I've got it now. That's my theory. Um, And quite often it's got nothing to do with the takeaway. They might be swinging it beautifully. It could be anything. Mm. And that's why you can have these launch monitors or video recognition and, you know, if you've been around the game for a while, you can actually work it out yourself. Mm. Was well, it, see, that
0: one of my favorite things was always to talk about the secret, you know, what is the secret to golf? Because everyone has something, you know, it could be watch where the ball was, you know, swing out to win or slow, take away and fart, strike the match, all those things. So, do you have a, for your golf personally, so you're still a scratch golfer. I'm guess- yeah, I'm yeah. I,
2: I get a couple of shots which I need. Okay,
0: <laughs> okay. So you're off two. So, but you've always you've been a terrific golfer your whole life. Sure. What's your secret?
2: Look, I think um, a little bit like um, my engineer mate uh, said to me that uh, how does a plane get in the air? Mm. And uh, there's probably lots of answers, but the fact is that. Defies ga- gravity. Of course it does. It, 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 that's how it uh, gets to um, rise into the sky. I think with golf, there's five ball flight laws, which we sort of adhere to, and then we look at those things. So I look at all Sorry, what, are, the, what are they? So the five ball flight laws, are squareness of hit, mm. pathway, club face, club head speed, and angle of attack. So if you circulate around those five rules, then you get a result. Now, quite often, you don't need to. Um, It can be somewhere else. It can be in a little trick. Yeah, but that's
0: what I'm asking. What's your trick? What's the trick? Well, What's your trick? See,
2: now you're fantastic at avoiding
0: the question with...
2: Yeah, well, the answer or the trick... Or the formula (laughs) Yes Or the feel changes So I've listened to many great players over their time That have won a major uh, through interview And they've described what it was that got them across the line Obviously they were adhering to those five ball flight laws But they also had a particular feel for that time You know Tom Watson Uh, who won eight majors or so, um, spoke about his left hand propelling through the impact zone. And he did it for 18 months and he won, you know, 15 events or something. And Seve Ballesteros had a famous victory at St. Andrews in 1983. And on the driving range on the Wednesday prior to the event, uh, one of his buddies said, listen, you should just turn your shoulders. Just just turn your shoulders another 15%. And he turned his shoulders another 15% and won the tournament.
0: Mm.
2: How ridiculous. But it was that particular adjustment, the, the fine-tuned Formula 1, just before it heads out, the mechanic <laughs> finally tunes it and he yeah. turns three knobs and adjusts a couple of other things to get his speed up. And I think that's what happens in golf. Is that it's just a you preference. Still, it's a you feel. Still
0: haven't told me. I know, I know, you, I know it yep. changes, but you must have a go to. I mean, I think. Yeah, well, what's your feel? I don't, I'm so lost at them. <laughs> That's why I ask everyone yeah. what their feel is. Yeah. Um, well, I think it's getting, I think it's accelerating, accelerating through the ball. I actually think that's what it is
2: Okay, well well, that that's a good thing And, and if you said that to me Andrew, I'd say absolutely true mm. um, And then if you said Look, I've got an iron I need to hit down on a certain angle uh, I'd say that's true as well And then if you said I need to hold the club fairly firmly Through impact <laughs> I'd say that's true as well
0: Yeah, what about a really strong Right-handed grip for wedges? A right-hand grip that's under... No, no, no. Physically holding the club very firmly with your right hand. So, um,
2: (laughs) like for chip shots? Yes. For people who yip it? No,
0: I think just, yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, I think that if you are a good chipper, um, so back in whoever was the best chipper of the, the time, Zach Johnson or Seve Ballesteros or one of those characters... Um, they probably had even pressure in both hands, and they probably held the club fairly lightly. Um, I've taught loads of people with yips, and or just a simple fear hmm. that they can't get a result. They hit it up to the close to the green on a par five for two, and then constantly make six. So holding the club tightly with your right hand can be one of them. It can also be your left hand. I'm sorry to say. Hmm. Oh, so it doesn't. Yeah, it's, it, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. It's okay. uh, well.
0: Let, let's talk about. I know you've done a lot of work with junior golf. We've got some really good junior golfers. Your boys are pretty, pretty good um, themselves. How do you help get them to then to their best performance?
2: Right, leading up to a tournament, or just in general, just generally, yep.
0: and then leading up to a tournament. Okay. Then after winning the
2: tournament, yes. Uh, well, we we copy someone. We take um, a swing that we might like. Um, if he's my young bloke's fairly tall, and would like to swing like Adam Scott, mm. that's not a, that's not a bad subject. I'd play tennis, and I think I was Roger Federer, right? As a as a muck around tennis player, and if I copied Roger Federer, I actually got a few more serves in. Um, so, if you copied
0: uh, Roger Federer in your mind?
2: In my mind, right, absolutely, so the, yep. all the actions, <laughs> yes. all uh, just just the the great copy artist, and we would copy Adam Scott's motion, and all the things that he does, because let's say he's got the best swing. There's obviously lots of them, but he's probably got the best swing, so we copy him, and mm. we to to this day we still do. Um, and he's got longevity and played brilliantly for many many years. He's only won. One major, but still a superstar swinger. Mm. So I get Dean, my young fella, to um, to copy him and his motion and his feels and what have you. And if you're a different build, or if you're a lady golfer, you might you know follow Annick You know you might. She just had a win. Just had a great win. Yeah, amazing, amazing, and and uh, great coverage with the family and everything else. So brilliant for golf. Mm. It was just a a winner um, finish and she's probably our well she's probably the greatest player uh, female ever mm. so um, that was good but if you're a female golfer why don't you copy her but if you're super tall or super short or a little bit different in shape and often um, whatever swing motion you've got or certain characteristic within your swing motion that's probably what you'll keep you know so you know, Matt Kuchar or Jim Furyk or some of the people that swing a little differently to others were probably born that way and started their golf that way. Um, Lexi Thompson comes to mind. She a very unusual motion and I saw back when she was 9 or 10 and she had exactly the same swing. Right. And her coach said, that's okay, we're going to keep that. We're just going to put some modern trends to it and – Let's see if we can develop it. And I think she's number one or number two or something now. Okay. So what about the big
0: swing rebuilds that, you know, I think every, I've talked to lots of golf pros just, you know, just in conversation about, and they'd go, yeah, yeah, mate, you need to, just give me a year with you and I'll just, and I
2: go, I just shit myself and think, no, 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 no. no." Yes. I think that, once upon a time we may have copied the the perfect swing and you can still do that if you like but if you look at Xander Shoffley who won the Olympics uh Colin Morikawa or someone else they all have different aspects to their swing and their motion um, and they still work so if it's a horrible Golf motion that you might have, you look like you're chopping a tree down or something, then you've got to make a change. Mm. The biggest change was probably Nick Faldo, who still played great but couldn't win. And then uh, he made certain changes to his motion and came back and became one of the greatest players. So that was probably a good endorsement um, for a great coach to make certain changes to a good player anyway. Yeah. Just change his whole style around. But most people have probably stuck with a lot of their original movements and still play great. Right.
0: So it's okay to have something a little bit different.
2: Yeah, you can have a little bit quirky. Yeah. And so – Well, it's a quirky game anyway. It is. And and Andrew swings fine. Uh, and then you might pick up certain aspects that you need to change – how can I take my handicap from six to, you know, plus ten. one? To ten? <laughs> to ten, exactly, yeah. No, that's your application. Um, stop tinkering with your, with yeah, your yeah, wedges. Yeah. So if you want to make those changes, then you would probably melt down the swing a little and look at one or two different aspects and say, look, maybe I can change that. Mm. That's, that doesn't look world class. It looks average. So how can we get it to look a little bit more world-class?
0: Right. So you, everyone should have a look at their own, you know, like have a little video, get have the, a sign out.
2: I can't do it without video anymore. It's, right. It's uh, because uh, you, you're almost guessing. Right. And so video and some launch monitor uh, <laughs> factors and then- On sale at Oringa. On sale at Oeringa, 790. Uh, R10, get that? Yeah. Um, but- what about the shit
0: stuff? Well, I say that, I don't know it is, on the internet, you know. So, you know, a $200 launch monitor, you just – you're being an idiot or
2: – Well, I think that some aren't so accurate as they should be. Mm. So, you you got to get the right numbers. Okay. And it doesn't have to be, be too exact, but it's got to be up there. And I guess that in time to come, you and I will be talking another five years and I'll probably have – something on your phone mm. that registers everything you've done yeah. of the entire 18 holes.
0: Yeah, well, the phone already has the – I'm sorry, the the watch already has the tempo and, I mean, Garmin have a tempo aspect and, you know, like the one, two – oh, you're just off your – oh, my God. Yeah. Um, look, before we finish, the – I just read an article that the driving iron is back. So is it just – are we – is it just literally – from a retailer's point of view and a golf pro are we just in a mad cycle and the little drivers here and the from TaylorMade, then that's going to go away and then driving on is that just the way it's
2: always going to work and we just i think so i think that you know who was first i think nike and callaway bought out the square headed driver and they thought that was it that was the winner and they did some testing and they were able to pronounce that this thing was better, longer, straighter, mm. all of that. And it turned out that it was rubbish. <laughs> it was rubbish. Um, so that, you know, there was the other clubs that they had um, were just as good as the square driver. The driving iron and the hybrid or the five wood or seven wood, I think they'll all do something. Right. And I think uh, that people can test it out and see if it actually works for them. A lot of good players have driving irons and a lot of average players have hybrids. Right. And that's the truth.
0: Okay. So we're in your sort of work area and which is, I mean, there's just so much. There's buckets and buckets of golf clubs and I've just pulled out the blockhead. (laughs) So you must have seen so much and the block, it's a square it looks like a blow I mean, I actually want to go and hit it now. Because, yeah. Um, that's it. That's yeah. the square head. You must've seen obviously everything. What's the worst, the worst incarnation of the golf club you think you've seen?
2: I think that, um, the silliest thing I ever saw was the huge, um, putter that came out in a ping style. They call that blade now. Mm. Um, it was a, it was probably twice the size of the normal ping putter head. But the problem is that Jack Nicholas in 1986 won the Masters with it. <laughs> so we we might have denounced it to say, look, it wasn't any good. And that was probably one of the, the greatest tournaments ever. And he played, if you have a look at some old video, he played and won with this massive-looking putter. So... Anything goes. So how much is having confidence in what you've what you've got?
0: Like to have, okay, so here's my eclectic bag of things to not worry about someone looking in your bag because we all look. How much is it about the personal confidence in what you're actually playing to be successful in the game of golf?
2: You need ultimate confidence and you need to, you know, if someone put a lie detector on you and said, look, how's your driver and how's the rest of your clubs, then – You'd have different answers and different percentage of how confident you were uh, with each club. And look, if your irons or wedges or drivers didn't go any good, try something else. Mm. You know, just mix it up. Change the loft on the driver, for goodness sake, or the shaft flex, anything uh, to make it it work, Uh, particularly putters. You know, everyone's probably got... You know, out of X amount of billion golfers, there's probably triple the amount of putters that are out there in the market. Yeah. So one or two or three putters doesn't hurt. You can move around as you see fit. Yeah. You know, during winter or summer, change them up.
0: Yeah. I, was, I played uh, yesterday with a guy who's a club fitter at Cool Clubs. Yes. And so given my clubs are 20 years old and I've got a homemade wooden putter, I was under an enormous amount of pressure for the first time. It was terrible, actually. Like, it was really... He goes, oh, no, I just look at people. I just want to know why they play the clubs they play, not that you should change them. Yes. I'm just curious to know why. And then when I pulled my putter out, he just nearly died. But nearly just was, what do you think you're doing?
2: Yeah. Did you drain anything?
0: Did um, it work? No, no. Neither of us sunk a putt all day, but we putted really well. They just literally didn't yes. go in. Yes. Like, all literally
2: all day long. Yes. Well, you've got... You've spoken of that, and um, and you've got confidence in that. Mm. So, what is it when they just don't go in for a day? That's right. It's what. What is that? What, what is what, that? What. What makes you know Xander Shoffley have twenty four putts, mm. and someone else have thirty four? And I think that you could probably relate it to lots of other sports. You know, Glenn McGrath mightn't have got the line and length on the day, and. Um, uh, you know, Roger Ferrer may not have hit the diamond that many times. So it's some sort of little technique they may have put in or taken out and it just becomes a a confidence factor. I think for everyone, if you hold the first couple of putts and holds one and two, I think you're set for the day. Mm. You're ready to go. You know, you get a feel for the green and maybe you have an ultimate confidence. How does How does Tiger Woods hold those ten, and fifteen, twenty 15, 20-footers um, under the gun. You know, it's just it, – it can't be um, <laughs> that he's read – he's obviously read the putt well, but yeah. it's got to be some sort of ultimate confidence. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, is, and,
0: is, and, and is it confidence? I mean, you said you listen to a lot of podcasts with people talking about their wins. I mean, I love the open podcast. And, and the one factor that seems to come across all the time is – undying confidence in their own ability. Like none none of them have gone,
2: geez, I was lucky. <laughs> you know, and so maybe that's. Yeah, I, I think that at that level uh, you've got to be um, uh, super confident. Yeah. Um, like people change their putters and they feel like it's a lovely change and I like the feel and I like the look. And they do go out and, and putt really well, just changing it up. And gaining confidence. It's got to be a confidence factor. Okay. Tiger Woods holds more putts down the stretch than he does in practice. There's, what, what's that about? Mm. Well, so what is it about? Well, he, he probably – his <laughs> concentration and his, um, his uh, you know, concentration to detail in particular, um, he just gets it right. Yeah. Maybe he just gets it right and the other guys just don't get it exactly right. Okay.
0: Uh, Before we, just to finish, what should we all experience in a game of golf before we sort of give it away or say goodnight to it or tuck
2: it away? Well, it'd be nice to experience your personal best. Uh, It'd be nice to, you know, at all different levels, but make an eagle or make an albatross Mm. or hole out or win the comp by a few or... Gain a club championship. Um, So all of those things. Set your goals and maybe, you know, some people can achieve all of them and, you know, maybe you just achieve one, (laughs) whatever it might be. Yeah. You know, I've never held a 60-footer. Maybe that's it. Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe that's (laughs) it. And that's what, obviously, as they all say, brings them back. Yeah, That's the sense of greatness of the game. You know, just just a little personal best somewhere, that'd be nice.
0: Uh, Rob Richards, what a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks very much. And thanks for all your enabling of my mad ideas. I've really enjoyed it.
2: Come in any time, Andrew. You can make a mess as usual.
0: Rob Richards, he is an absolute ripper. You'll walk into his shop empty-handed and it is very rare. Like very very rare that you will walk out empty-handed a master seller and just a uh, look he's a great guy so i hope you enjoyed that we did cover some ground and he's very good at avoiding or yodering questions not avoiding questions yodering questions uh yes you see that well think about how a plane takes off so good fun next week something entirely different i hope you're enjoying golf the podcast see you later